Welcome to the sermon podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. Listen as our pastor, Dr. Jim Graham, shares a message from God's Word and offers sound biblical direction for your daily life. We started a new series last week. We started this new series called If You Believe. And the premise is this, that I run into people who tell me they believe in God, but then they don't really act like it. You know what I mean? They say they believe, but, but my theory is if you really believe in something, it affects what you do. So, like I said last week, if you believe it's, if you believe it's going to be cold outside, you'll dress appropriately. You dress a certain way if you really believe that. Whatever you really believe, you, you do things based on that. And so we're just going to examine some things over the next few weeks that if a person really believed, these are things that they would do. And we're going to use stories from the book of 2 Kings uh, about a a couple of well-known prophets, Elijah and Elisha. Now, it's easy to get them confused sometimes, but we're going to tell some stories about those, those guys. And I want to tell you a story today. And set the stage for what we're going to talk about with if you believe. Okay, Last week, we talked about that if you believe, and this plays a big part in today's story, if you really believe that there's a God who loves you, cares about you, wants to walk with you through life, then if you need answers, if you have a situation, you would absolutely go to God with that question. You wouldn't just run to other places. You wouldn't just Google it. You wouldn't just ask your buddies. You would go to God. If you really believe that there's a God, you would go to God and you'd go to Him early and often. Right? That was the premise last week. All right. So here's what happens in our story this week. It involves some kings. There was a king of Israel. His name was Joram. And this king was not following the Lord. His parents didn't follow the Lord. He didn't follow the Lord. He didn't care anything about the Lord. Okay? Didn't follow God. But he gets in a bind. He has a thing, right? And his thing is this. There's another king of Moab who's supposed to be paying him taxes. The way things worked in those days is this. If you were a weaker country, you would find a stronger country, or they would find you, and basically you had to pay for protection. Basically they would say, We're going to come attack you unless you pay us. But if you pay us, not only will we not attack you, we will protect you from getting attacked from anybody else. So just pay us. And they would pay them. If they didn't like the arrangement, they would try to find some other country that was bigger and badder, and maybe they'd start paying them. That's the way it worked. So Moab was paying Israel for protection. Well, they saw a transition in their government. They saw a thing, saw a weakness. And they decided, I think this is a time to test our relationship. We're going to stop paying. So they stopped paying. So Joram goes, I can't let this happen. Can't let this happen. We're going to go attack them. But I don't want to just, I want to make sure I've got enough, you know, to, to really get their attention. So he went to two other neighboring kings that he had relationships with, 
And he said, would you go with me into battle? So he asked the king of Judah, a guy named Jehoshaphat. That's a good one to name your kids. Uh, and, and the king of Edom. So he gets these three, there's three kings together. They're going to go fight this one king. And they agree to do it. Now Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, was a godly man. He was a type of guy who went to God when he had a thing, talked with God, trusted in God, okay? So these three kings gather up, and this is, you know, this is Joram's thing, and he makes a battle plan. Well, he does a lousy job. Lousy job. They decide, since the king of Edom's with them, that they would travel through the desert of Edom, and that would be their avenue of attack on Moab. But they didn't bring enough supplies. So lo and behold, they find themselves in the middle of the desert and they run out of water. Now these are guys that are about to go into battle and now they have no water and now they're beginning to panic and they go, He's br God's brought us out here in the desert to die. Now, isn't it funny that sometimes we don't talk to God we don't ask him the plan. We're just doing our own plan. And then when things get bad, we turn around and say, oh, God's just after me. He's just trying to get me. Well, God didn't have anything to do with their plan up to this point. Nothing to do with it. So they're in a situation. Now, what does a godly person do when they're in a situation? Well, they go to God. So Jehoshaphat goes to Joram and the king of Edom and he says, hey, I think we should inquire of God. I think we should go talk to God about the situation we're in and figure out what we're supposed to do. <clears throat> is, there, is there a prophet of God that we can talk to? And they said, yeah, Elisha's, Elisha's around. Let's go talk to Elisha. He used to hang out with Elijah. He was his second-hand man, and Elijah's gone on to be with the Lord. Now let's, let's talk to Elisha. So the three kings... Go have an audience with Elisha, the prophet of God. And they're going to ask him for help. This is what we do, right? Even if we're not believing. Joram's not even a believer in God. Like, he doesn't follow God at all. And, but yet, he's in a bind. He thinks he's about to die. So now he's going to God, right? So they, they walk in before Elisha. And this is Elisha's response. I put this verse up on the screen. He says, why are you coming to me? Why are you talking to me now? Go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. Like you never talk to me unless you're in a serious, serious thing. Now there's a whole host of people that that's what they do. You may even be like that. You don't really talk with God every day. You know, you're here today. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. But like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Like we don't talk to God. We just go about our way. Unless... There's a bad thing. <laughs> There's a bad thing. Then we're like, oh God, help me. You know, I don't have water. I'm in a desert. I'm about to be in a battle. Like, this is bad. So he, Elisha looks at him and says, why are you here? You ever have people in, in, like that in your life? I bet you do. I bet there's some of you in here that there are people in your life like that. They may even be family. But there are people in your life that you don't hear from them. You know, they don't talk to you, they don't whatever, until they're in a real bind, and then they show up. 
And they go, hey, I know I hadn't talked to you in a while. I know I hadn't did it. I know I didn't do this or that. But could you help me? Could you help me? So Elisha says, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. Now you picture the scene. He looks at Joram, who's in charge of this situation. He goes, I don't even know why you're here. Like, I don't even know why you're here. You, you never inquire of God, but I want you to know something. I wouldn't even look at you. I wouldn't give you the time of day if you weren't with him. You better be lucky that you're with him. Because you see, he talks to God all the time. He's always seeking God. Him, since he's with you, I'm going to give you an answer. So this, we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. Because I think it really matters who you're with. Alright, so let's keep going with the story though. So he tells him, he says, here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to dig a valley in the valley, I'm going to need you to dig a bunch of ditches. Fill the valley with ditches. That's what he tells them to do. Now that's weird advice. Isn't that weird advice? Uh, we don't have any water. Alright? It's hot. And you want us to dig ditches. Shouldn't we sit in the shade? See, a lot of times when we pray to God and we're in a situation, this is the, the kind of answer we like is the kind where we think God will say, you thank you for coming to me. You just go sit over there on the side in the shade and let me go to work. I'll handle everything. That's what we prefer, right? Unfortunately, sometimes God says things like this. Uh... I can handle this, it's no problem, but I need you to make the valley full of ditches. In fact, Elisha even says this, and I love this verse in this story. He says in verse 18, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. You need water in a desert. You need water in a desert. You're in a situation with no hope. You're in a situation where you have no resources to handle this. You can't do anything about it. There are no resources as far as the eye can see. There's nothing that can be done. And Elijah says, I just want you to know, for the Lord, for God Almighty, your problem is easy. It's easy. God can fill a bunch of ditches with water like that. Not hard at all. In fact, let's go back to that verse. Notice what else. He says, and I'll throw in a defeat over Moab too. I'll also hand Moab over to you. I'll give you water and you'll win the battle. That's what God says. So they do it. They get busy doing a very odd thing. Digging ditches. There's no rhyme or reason to the ditches. It's not like one continuous ditch. They're just digging ditches everywhere. Just dig some ditches and God's going to fill them with water. There's stories like this throughout Scripture. Oh, you need oil? Gather some jars. Gather some jars. You know, you need, you need bread? 
sit down and get some baskets. Like God, it's not hard for God because He has all the resources in the entire universe. Not hard for God, hard for us. The question is, if you do, if you're like a Jehoshaphat and you, you listen to last week's sermon and you go to God, you do that, then will you do what God tells you to do? All right, so they did it. And the next morning, the ditches are full of water. So they're drinking water, they're filling their canteens, you know, they're, they're getting their, their skins, you know, that they put the water in, they're doing all that, and now, whew, they're refreshed, thank goodness, we're going to survive. All right, well, what about Moab? What about that part of it? Well, the Moabite king has heard that the kings have gathered in the valley. He's heard that they're there in the valley. He's got spies, he may have even heard they're in trouble. He rides up to the, he gets his army together. They ride up to the top of a hill looking down over the valley. It's dawn. The sun's just coming up. And as he looks down over the valley, the sun is shining just right. And all through the valley, there's all these weird ditches full of water. Except the sun is reflecting just right over the water and that it all looks red. All the water looks red. And they go, I think that's blood. I think it's blood. I think the valley is full of blood. You know what's happened here? I'll tell you what's happened. Those three kings have got their three armies together. They're not really friends. They got themselves in a bind. They ran out of water. They got mad at each other. They started fighting with each other. And they have annihilated each other in this valley. And there is blood flowing everywhere. Ha ha ha. Our problem solved. Hey, let's ride down and see if there's, you know... See if some of these guys have their wallet on them, you know, we'll get us a watch and a wallet and, a, you know, a free sword or something, you know, let's just uh, pick their pockets clean. That's what you did on the battlefield. So they casually just ride down into the valley, not ready to fight, and ride right into three armies that are refreshed with water and they themselves get annihilated. So in one fell swoop, God provided water and handed Moab over to him. Just went here. Because that's the kind of thing that God can do. Now, I want to tell you something about, you know, this story. Because I want you to understand that sometimes you have to dig ditches. Now, this is not my main message yet. But I just want you to know, sometimes you have to dig ditches. I think a lot of us falter in the spot of digging the ditches. Because when we go to God and say, God, help me, I am in a bind, will you help me? What we're really asking Him is to just take over, do the miracle, and we'll sit over there in the shade. But read Scripture over and over and over. God doesn't say, sit down. God says, well, here's what you need to do. I'll do the miracle. It's easy for me. Easy for me. Guess what's hard? Digging ditches. 
Digging ditches is hard. I will never forget, it was kind of a life-altering moment for me. I was about 15 or 16 years old, I don't remember exactly. And we went into a construction site, pulled in with my dad. He needed to tell some guy something. He goes into the office, the little trailer on the construction site that's air-conditioned, and we walk in, there's a guy in there, and he's got a white shirt on and a tie, and he's, work, he's working on stuff, okay? And uh, on his desk. And then we go back out, and we sit down in the car, and Dad cranks the car, and it is like July, August, Alabama, hot, and right in front of us, there's a dude with his shirt off, and he is digging a ditch. He's digging a ditch, and he's got dirt all over him, like sweat and dirt all over him, and he's digging a ditch. And he said to me, son, is that man in that trailer better than that man? Is he a better man? I said, no, sir. He said, absolutely not. He's not a better man at all. He says, you want to know what the difference is between the guy in there and that guy right there? I said, no. He said, that guy in there went to college. I said, I'm going to college. Like, I don't want to dig ditches like that. Like, I'm looking at two jobs, and I know of these two jobs, I know which one I want, you know? Digging ditches is hard. And some of us never see the miracle of God. Never see God do the thing that's easy because you won't do the thing that's hard. You won't do the thing that's hard. That God says, yeah, I'll take care of it. Will you just do, you do this. Make the valley full of ditches. And I can fill the ditches with water. You grab your stuff and get ready and go. And I'll show you the way and I'll provide that thing. But you got to do the hard part. You got it. You know what the hard part really is? It's digging the ditches is really not the hard part. The hard part is believing The hard part is trusting. Because I want to tell you something. If you dig the ditches and he doesn't fill them with water, you just did the worst thing you could do. If you don't have water and you spend all your energy and sweat digging a ditch, you just did a foolish thing. See, in life, there's a fine line between what's foolish and what's wise. And you know how to know the difference? It's when you're going to God and you're doing what God tells you to do. Because the world will tell you that digging those ditches is dumb. But God says, I'll take care of this problem. I'll handle the water and Moab if you'll just dig the ditches. But that's not the main thing I wanted to talk to you about today. What I really wanted to talk to you is I want to go back in the story to the point where these three kings come before God. Let me ask you, have you ever gone to God with your problem and you know who you are and you know what you've done and maybe even you have been faltering and you haven't been walking with God and you haven't been talking with God and guess what? The problem comes along and now you realize you should have been talking to God all along but you haven't been and now you need Him and you go to Him. And you go to him and you're already thinking, he's not going to listen to me. He's going to look at me and say, 
You put yourself there, you deal with it. Right? That's what we think He's going to say to us. Sometimes we don't even want to go to God because we think we deserve what we're getting, right? That's who we are. And I want to tell you, it's just in those cases when we feel like God won't even listen to us that it's it's very important. Who are you with? Who are you with? Who are your people? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Because you might think the most important part of this story is that they dug the ditches and God saved them. But they wouldn't even known to dug the ditches if God hadn't told them. And God only told them because Jehoshaphat was in the room. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure in my life that Jehoshaphat's in the room with me. I want to make sure that friend is with me. I also want to flip this. I really want to be that friend for other people. So I want to talk to you about who you're hanging out with. I want to talk to you about who's in your circle. You've heard me say some things before, like show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I've said that many times. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You can just predict it. Whatever group of people that you're surrounding yourself with, you tend to gravitate towards their mindset, their thought process, what they're interested in, and you tend to go with them. So I'll also say this. It's very difficult to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It's very difficult. You say, hey, this is a great lesson for teenagers. Oh, it is. It's a great lesson for 40-year-olds, too. It's very difficult to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. You say, well, Brother Jim, my problem is some of the people in my life that are the wrong friends, they're my own family, and I can't do anything about that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Let me explain. So I'm a sports fan. I like to go to, I like to go watch sports and do those kind of things. And one of the things I've noticed is to get into the stadium and everything, you have to get a ticket, right? You get a ticket, you go into the stadium, and that gets you a seat. A seat where you can go spend $10 on getting some popcorn and a bottle of water, right? But I noticed there are other people in the stadium, and they have these things around, uh, these necklace things around with a little a pass. Have y'all ever seen those? They have a pass. And some of them, if they have a certain pass, it lets them go down to the sideline. They can leave the stands and walk right down to the sideline because they have a sideline pass. I'm like, that's pretty cool. They have, a, they have greater access than some of the others. Then I've seen some people, and they have what's called an all-access pass. They can go anywhere. They can go all kinds of places. There are places in that stadium where they're giving free food away. Did you know that? You know? Pretty cool, right? They can go anywhere. They can talk to anybody. They have all-access, you know? They could walk up and... No, they probably can't tap Nick Saban on the shoulder, but like they, you know, but they have all access. So here's what I've learned in my life. I, I may have family, and they might not be who, whatever, but I don't have to give them an all-access pass. I don't have to give them an all-access pass. It's very difficult to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. Here's how Scripture puts 
puts it. Let me share with you some verses of Scripture. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So you might say, well, I don't know if I'm a wise person. Fine, hang out with wise people. Hang out with Jehoshaphat. If you walk with wise people, you'll become wise. If you walk with foolish people, you'll become fools. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. You may have the best of intentions. If you're hanging around with bad people, they'll pull you aside. You know, those are the friends. You know the friends in the group, and they're sitting there going... Do it. Bubba, should I jump off this? I think you should do it. Go for it, right? You know, we all have those friends in our life. You know, they don't do it, but they'll get you to do it, right? Proverbs, uh, Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Proverbs twelve twenty six: the godly give good advice to their friends and the wicked lead them astray. Godly people give good advice. Proverbs 17, 17, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You know, you might just be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. See, when Paul, who had threatened and persecuted Christians, became a Christian himself, He wanted to preach and share the good news with them. He wanted to talk to the church. So he came to Jerusalem to talk to them, and they wouldn't let him in. They wouldn't talk to him because of what he was. But one friend came. His name was Barnabas. And in Acts chapter 9, it says uh, that he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They thought he was only pretending to be a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them, how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. Barnabas also told them what the Lord had said to Saul, how he boldly preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Then the apostle accepted Saul, and after that he was constantly with them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Kind of some of the stuff I've been doing with Patrick as he ventures into this world of being a pastor, like they don't know him, you know. So I've gone to pastors with Patrick, and I've gone like, let me tell you who Patrick is. Let me, on, on, my, on the basis of who I am, vouch for him. And that's what Barnabas was doing for Paul. It matters who your friends are. Friends open doors, good doors. So I just want to close with this. There's three types of friends that you need. Three types of friends that you need. Three types of friends that you need to be for others. Number one, a friend who tells you the truth. You need a friend who tells you the truth. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. The difficult thing is we live in a society where there are people who won't tell you the truth. If it's difficult, here's how we deal with conflict in our society. We either avoid it altogether, so we don't talk about it, we don't deal with it, we never face it. Or, there's another group of people And that's the only thing they do to make things happen the way they want them to. They act like toddlers and they create conflict so that you will give them what they want. That's what a toddler does. And so we either don't talk about it or we use it. You need a friend who will tell you the truth. Even if it's tough. 
A wound from a friend is better than many kisses from the enemy. Second, you need a friend who will make you better. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You need a friend who will make you better. I can tell my, all of my young adult children live in other cities. And, and they meet people and they'll tell us about this person and this person, this friend and who they're hanging out with. And we don't know those people at all. But I can tell you whether they're good for my kid or not. I can tell you. Because if they're good for them, they make them better. They're closer to God. They make them closer to God. Make them have a better marriage. Be a better parent. Be better at business. Be better at financially. Better, just a better human being. You need friends that make you better. And thirdly, you need friends that will help you find strength in God. So in the Old Testament, there's a story about David. And David is the one who killed Goliath. And after that, he became famous. And the king got jealous and was hunting him down and was going to kill him for being more famous than him. And he was coming to take his life. And in 1 Samuel 23, 16, it says, Saul's son Jonathan went to David and helped him find strength in God. He helped him find strength in God. He pointed him to God and helped him find strength there. You need somebody in your life, you need friends in your life to help you find strength in God. So here's the invitation today. One, I hope you're this kind of friend for those in your life. But we need to do a checkup on the people that we're surrounding ourselves with. Who's in your life? Who's in your life? Who is around you? Who are your people? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you serving the Lord with? Who are you in small group with? Who are you going to the game with? Who are you going to dinner with? Who are you doing these things with? And are they the kind of people that if you went to God, God would look and say, I'm glad you're hanging around with that guy because that, that person right there, I listen to them and they listen to me. I'm glad you're with that person. Are those the people in your life that have the ear of God? Don't just run to them when you're in trouble. You don't just when you're in trouble, go. you don't run to the pastor and go, Brother Jim, will you pray for praise, Brother Jim? I mean, I should just be like icing on top of the cake. You already got a, you got a little army of people praying for you that you know they have an audience with God because they're your friends. So you might have to do some hard things. You might have to do some shifting of your friend group. You might have to change the access that you're giving to some people in your life. And that might be hard. It might be as hard as a big addition. But will you do that? We're about to pray, and as we pray, there's some of you in this room that this is, what gonna, this is what's going to happen. God's going to poke you, and He's going to say, Hey, He's talking about that person that you've given way too much access to, and they're not who you need to be with. That's what He's going to say. Will you listen to Him? Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, I thank You that You care about us so much, and I pray, Lord, that we'll listen to You, that we'll be obedient to You, that we'll follow You. 
Lord, as we lift up this song to you and as we pray, Lord, and as we listen, I, I pray, Lord, that we will we will make the changes we need to make to surround ourselves with your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.